All right, if you'll take your Bibles tonight and let's turn to Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter 13. You may say, well, didn't we, uh, didn't we cut off in chapter 11 a few weeks back and then we did some other things and what, we're going to skip 12? Well, we did 12, chapter 12, about a year ago. In fact, it, uh, we, I actually began it May, uh, May 22nd of last year preached on four messages uh, proving God's will from just the first two verses. And then uh, I came back uh, in August, in August to, uh, to October, uh, seven messages uh, during that time span. And so I, we covered chapter 12 in its entirety, and then we went back and covered the earlier chapters uh, up until just recently. So... Um, we, we did uh, talk about giving our bodies a, a living sacrifice. We did talk about what our service to God ought to be. We just didn't do it from Romans 12. We, I didn't want to re-preach what I'd already preached, but uh, the Lord gave me four messages on that. And so uh, those, those messages, if you missed them and like to listen to them, they are online, and you, know, you can uh, go there anytime and, and uh, either watch them on video, listen to them, uh, on the audio, or else uh, you even just print out the notes and study the notes. Ever have ever what floats your boat? <laughs> That's uh, the way that you can do it there. But tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter number thirteen, talking about the believer's civic duty. Now, uh, this is probably uh, something that we we need to, to we need to take heed of uh, more than we've probably had to in the past. Because we've lived in a relatively, um, uh, with a, an environment where the government uh, was okay with the, the things that we were doing, okay? We didn't get much, too much interference in certain things up until recently, and it's getting worse, and it's probably going to get real bad before the Lord comes back. I'm strongly anticipating that, but... Just think about how blessed we've been to live in a, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave, be able to preach uh, without interference uh, the, the gospel and uh, to be able to uh, believe uh, what the Bible says and preach what the Bible says, preach the whole counsel of God without interference. And now uh, uh, there's, there's some folks that want to give us trouble about preaching the whole counsel of God. They say, well... You can't say that certain things are an abomination. Well, I didn't say it. God said it. Okay, And uh, I know it flies in the face of uh, what's, a lot of what's going on in our country. But uh, I believe we're going to see more interference from, uh, from the government uh, on behalf of uh, certain groups. And I want us to look tonight uh, as we, we're going to take a look at the institution uh, of government. There are three institutions that have been ordained of God and by God in this world. And, and any, each of these understand that there are levels of submission and authority. And that, those three institutions we know are, number one, marriage and the family. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew 19, verse 4 through 6. He said, He answered and said unto him, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, 
and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall twain be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And he was referring back to Genesis chapter number 2. Uh, in verse 23 and 24, when Adam said, you know, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she's taken out a man. And the very next verse says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now, we know that marriage was instituted by God to be between male and female. Okay? Now, I'm not going to elaborate on this because I plan to elaborate it on it in an upcoming series on blurring the lines. It's going to be a Sunday morning series. We're going to be talking about blurring the lines. And this is one area where Satan and his children are especially blurring them. You know, um, what constitutes marriage. And so we'll, we'll talk about more that more later. But uh, the second institution is the church. And of course the church was instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ established the church in Matthew chapter number 16 verses 16 through 19. He established the church to be local assemblies made up of baptized believers in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he told Simon Peter, and he said that when Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he told him, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that's the rock, okay? That's what the, the church was going to be built on, and that's what we are built on, amen? We're, we're built on that. And these assemblies that uh, uh, are, we are to have as their interest the worship and service of God, including carrying out the, the Christ's great commission and observing the two ordinances of baptism and the Lord's table, let me just pause right there. We're going to be having a baptism. Uh, actually, we're baptizing two, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. And so you want to be here on time because if you're late, you're going to miss it because we start out with the baptism. Not only do we practice the ordinances, baptism, and the Lord's table, but we have mutual care of one of another as members of Christ's body. And we know the head of the local church, of course, is the, the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole church is to submit to his leadership and under Christ is the pastor, that's the under-shepherd, and the other members of the congregation. And when God's order is maintained in the church, there's blessing and harmony. And when God's order is violated, then there's division and hurt. And that's the same way in the family. You know, you, do, you maintain God's order, things are okay. You don't maintain God's order, uh, things are not okay. But tonight we're going to be talking about the government. That's the third institution here in Romans chapter number 13. Let's read the first seven verses here that we'll be taking a look at. It says in verse number one, Romans 13 verse one, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that, are, uh, that be are ordained of God, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For, for if rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil, wilt thou then not be af afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil... 
be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor. And we'll leave off reading there, but God has ordained civil government and generally requires that we obey those who are over us in those roles with uh, some exceptions that we'll talk about here in just a few moments. Uh, understand that where there is no government or where those in government fail to do what God placed them there to do, you normally wind up with anarchy. Uh, and you, you wind up uh, with that because of the sin and related selfishness of fallen mankind. We need law and order. I mean, it's just, uh, we, we do because of the sinful nature of man. God established government to maintain an orderly society. That is, they are given to help maintain peace and order in this wicked world. Now, they are to punish evildoers. We just read that uh, there in verse 3 and 4 of what we just read. And that includes capital punishment. We say it says he beareth not the sword in vain. What do you think you're going to do with the sword? Shave? You know, it's talking about capital punishment. And we, we, it goes all the way back to Genesis 9, verse 5 and 6, where when God said, you know, Whosoever sheds man blood by man shall his blood also be shed. Uh, God believes in capital punishment. I know there's a lot of folks in our country uh, that are anti-capital uh, 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 punishment, but listen, God is for it, God, and God is the one that established government to carry that out. And they are to, to, uh, to punish evildoers, and they are to reward righteousness. We also read that, for he's the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil, and uh, um, but, but also talked about how uh, he's, uh, verse number four, he's a minister of God to thee for good. So, um, first, uh, I'm going to turn and read this, and we'll, we'll I'll have you turn to this a little bit later. But in First Peter chapter number two, and verse number fourteen. And he says that uh, over here in verse 13, 14, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So both of those things are covered in those verses written by the Apostle Peter. And uh, now understand that uh, while God wants his people to obey civil government, there is a limit to that obedience. Uh, we have a higher power that we answer to. Okay? And when that higher power uh, uh, says for us to do one thing and the government says for us to do another, we do what God tells us to do. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm, I'm going to share with you a few um, examples here. Why don't you hold your place there 
And uh, I'd like for you to mark the book of Daniel, because we're going to be in the book of Daniel uh, quite a bit here. Uh, I'll be coming back to it. You know, we're going to sh- share a few things here from Daniel right now, and we'll share some more later, so you might want to stick something in there. But Daniel chapter number 3, Daniel 3, and uh, verses 14 through 18, talk about the, uh, um, the Hebrew ch- three Hebrew children and their uh, encounter with King Nebuchadnezzar, whom the Lord placed King Nebuchadnezzar in power. Remember when we studied the books of the kings, and uh, uh, we saw that the the Lord raised up Nebuchadnezzar to actually punish his people. We saw that in the book of Jeremiah also. I mean, right toward the end of when we were in, in, in the book of Kings, when they were carried away into captivity for the 70 years, we, we know that it was of God for that to take place. Now, did Nebuchadnezzar and his uh, government, uh, did they do everything right? No, they did not. They, in fact, they mistreated God's people and, uh, in some ways, and they answered to God for that. Okay? They, they answered to God and that God took the, took the rule and reign away from them, gave it to somebody else. And so uh, we see here that in Daniel chapter number 3 and verse number 14, look at verse four number 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, now talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that do, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, Flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music. Ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now, he didn't recognize that he was placed in that position by God, did he? He doesn't acknowledge that, but nevertheless he was, but... The, they, this is an unlawful request that he was making to sh- these three. And verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we, we don't really have to think about this. <laughs> it's not something we've got to think about. Uh, verse number 17, if, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. One way or another, they will be delivered out of, out, of, out of Nebuchadnezzar's hand here. So, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image with, which thou hast set up. Now, we know what the results of that was. They wound up getting tossed into a burning, fiery furnace. And the Lord was walking in there with them. They didn't even get smoke on them. That's God. Uh, God honored that uh, uh, what they did, and we see uh, also in Daniel chapter number six. Daniel chapter number six. We see it in the life of Daniel when uh, Daniel was. Uh, he had the the presidents and princes uh, that he kind of um, served alongside of. The, the, he was preferred above them, and. Um, the, they took notice of that and they tried to get him in bad sorts with the king. And so they had the king sign a decree that uh, no one could pray. Now they noticed that he prays all the time. He's praying to his God. 
you know, he didn't try to cover it up, and try, didn't try to do it, and and uh, you know, he he was uh, he was very uh, very adamant about uh, taking and and praying at three times a day, and they had the the king sign this uh, for 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 uh, the purpose of explicitly of condemning Daniel. Now, no, notice verse number ten. After Darius signed this decree, it says in verse number ten. And we're in Daniel 6, by the way. Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, notice this, as he did aforetime. He didn't change what he was doing just because Darius had signed a decree. Um, and it says there in verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. And what they do, they come and they, they uh, accused him before Darius. Well, Darius was a, a friend of Daniel. And he hated that he had to cast him in the lion's den. And um, after he gets out of the lion's den, that uh, um, you know, the, and the, was not hurt by the lions, I, which is a wonderful story, one of my, fa- one of my favorite stories. Um, growing up, we used to listen to it all the time. We had it on the big old, big old records like that. And Mom and Daddy had the, some of these Bible stories, and this was one of the ones that was on there. And uh, the, the king goes down there, look at verse number 21, that said, Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My, my God hath sent his angels and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Now, uh, we see that um, the king was glad about that taking place, and he commanded all these those men that conspired against Daniel to be cast into the lion's den, and it didn't go well with them. You know, the lions had their way with them. The, the, they didn't have the lockjaw they had the night that Daniel was in there. But anyway, we see um, uh, he he did just he did what he knew he needed to do. Was he was going to violate that because it was an unlawful decree? Uh, look at Acts chapter number four. Now I said we're going to be back to Daniel, so don't don't lose don't you lose your place back there, or you'll be having to turn to find it again. All right, Acts chapter number four, and uh, we see. This is early on in the church, and uh, just as the um, uh, Pharisees, the, the council, okay, the, and understand that the council, even though they were a religi- religious body, uh, they were allowed by Rome to, uh, to rule um, in conjunction with Rome. They, 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 could, uh, they were free to, to take and, and make some some uh, things to, that had to be done. And so we are talking about a dual role here that they had. And we see in Acts 4, verse number 19, Acts 4 and verse number 19, and uh, well, let's back at verse 18. They called them, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Well, we know that that, that uh, absolutely goes against what the Lord Jesus said before he 
was uh, taken up into heaven, right? Uh, he told them, go, go ye into all the world. <laughs> he told them, you know, but you shall be witnesses unto me in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. And that's what they had gone about to do. And the council's got a problem with them doing that. And it says there in verse number 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. So you want to judge it one way, we judge it another. <laughs> verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God, for that which was done. Then look at chapter number 5. Here they are in trouble again. Chapter 5. We see Peter, not just Peter and John, but it talks about Peter and the other apostles. Uh, in verse number uh, 29. Well, let's back up to verse 28. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, uh, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, and verse 28 said, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood, it's talking about Jesus, upon us. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Okay, so uh, there we, we have again where they uh, were not going to follow what they were told to do. Now, the government, we know, is made up of a community of people who are brought together under an established central leadership, whether it be a king or president. And in the case of the council, it was the, the high priest. The high priest uh, was the one that le uh, led over the, this council. Now, the government is to have their, as their interest the mutual good of all citizens under their leadership. The submission of the citizens to the authority of established government is intended to help produce a tranquil society. There's nothing wrong with that, with lawful, lawful laws. Okay? When, when they start making laws against something God has clearly said that we ought to be doing, or, uh, then that's, or, or they say you've got to do something that you ought not to be doing, then uh, they're clearly in violation of their own, uh, uh, their own power of what they should and should not do. Now, in chapter number 12 uh, that we did not deal with in our, uh, uh, or dealt with over a year ago, uh, Paul spoke, though, at length of our duties on a spiritual and social level. In this chapter, he turns the focus to secular matters. Secular matters. How are we to relate to those outside the church, especially those who have the rule over us in society? Now, this obviously is a very important matter, so let's look at the believer's civic duty as a citizen. Um, first of all, we see the submissive aspect of our duty found there in verses 1 through 5 that we just read in, in Romans chapter number 13. Now, nobody likes the word submission, uh, but it's a biblical word. <laughs> it's, whether you're talking about in the family, uh, and whether you're talking about in uh, the church, 
or whether you're talking in the uh, in government. Nobody likes the word submission. After all, we all want to be in control. However, we need to realize that often we are not in control. Okay, and if there was ever a place where this is true, uh, it's in the world around us, and especially in the government. These verses clearly tell us that we have a duty to submit to the authority of the government. We see the, the command of God there in verse number 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, but for there is, no power, uh, but, uh, there is no power but of God. So uh, when you consider the uh, political uh, climate in Rome when Paul wrote these words, Really, it's quite remarkable because Rome was being ruled by a wicked man named Nero. Nero, uh, not a good fellow. He was one of the most wicked of the Roman emperors, even having his own mother and wife executed. Uh, he is most notorious for blaming a tragic fire that decimated Rome. He blamed it on Christians. And this resulted in tens of thousands of Christians dying by way of persecution. Yet it is to this man and to this government that Paul issued the command for subjection. Of course, Paul had no illusions about Nero. What Paul is commanding here is not blind allegiance to wicked men. Understand that. But willful obedience to the commands of God. Okay, And again, again, when the two... When the two failed, you go with God. When the two don't meet, you go with God. All right, if the two, two don't agree there. This command has nothing to do with the ruler and has everything to do with the spiritual condition of the believer. The command is simple and the command is clear. Believers are to willfully submit to secular authorities. Now, I know there are many who may have a problem with this and yet it's still the clear command of the Lord to his people. However, there does come a time when civil disobedience is in order. When the state comes to the place of trying to govern the conscience of man, and uh, then God, God is to be obeyed over the state. Here's the truth that is in view here. When the laws of the state do not contradict the laws of God, then the state is to be obeyed without question, okay? If there's no conflict, we're to obey the state. However, when obeying the law of the state forces you to violate the clear teachings of God, then God is to be obeyed regardless of what the state says. And that this is what the disciples did when they were called before the local authorities. And we're not going to take time to read all of the scriptures Scripture, but uh, if you were to read more than what we just read a while ago, Acts 5, verses 25 through 42, you will note that those local authorities they were called before, uh, they were in the wrong. And uh, look at uh, 1 Peter chapter number 2. I told you we, I was going to take you back here. Uh, I read just uh, a little bit from there just a little while ago, but look at 1 Peter chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to begin with verse number 13. I read 13 and 14, but we, I want to read it in conjunction with, uh, we're going to read down through 17, okay? Second, 1 Peter chapter number 2, 
And verse number 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Uh, pretty clear. We could, so we see the command of God, but we also see the control of God back in our text and the second part, for there is no power but of God. That's the second part of verse number one. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So that's the control of God. The re reason these things are said is that God is sovereign above all. And understand that God oversees the events of history. And, and regardless of who is in political power, they are there because the Lord God has allowed it to be so. To fulfill His own purposes, they are there. And the Lord holds all power within Himself. He gives power to whosoever He wills, and then He does so for His own sovereign purposes. But as He gives power, He holds those that He gives power responsible. And if they don't do right, He judges them when they get outside the parameters for why he put them in there. Now, if there's any lesson that is clear in the book of Daniel or in the history of Israel, it is the lesson that the Lord sets up and pulls down human governments at his discretion. God is in control. And this is where I want you to go back to Daniel chapter number 2. Daniel chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to see here in verse number 20. And 21, and then we're going to go to Daniel chapter number 4. That Daniel 2, verse number 20. <clears throat> Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Notice this, verse 21. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Um, and so we see there, uh, and you say, well, he, 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 he puts people in power and takes people out of power so it doesn't do us any good to vote. Are we going to be held responsible for our voting? Okay, He gives us, as, as citizens in a free land, we have the opportunity to vote for our leaders. Now God's going to see who gets in there. But he's going to hold us responsible for did you vote based on your biblical convictions or did you vote your pocketbook or did you vote for some other, other cause? Okay? Um, uh, because God wants us to act responsibly regardless of what happens. Now, look at Daniel chapter number 4. Daniel 4. And this is um, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, after he's... Uh, after he... He's been uh, uh, duly um, taught by the Lord <laughs> at the end of his days of his uh, when he was made like a beast out in the field. Okay, Daniel four. Look at verse number thirty-four. 
And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, and you can get it, this is, this is Nebuchadnezzar, These are the, what, this is what he said, this is what he wrote. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom and my honor and, and, and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. In other words, God put him back in position again. Okay? And excellent majesty was added unto me. Verse 37, he learned his lesson here. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. How do you know that? Because the Lord sure did abase him when he acted in pride. When he said, this is great Babylon that I built. <laughs> down you go, buddy. And the Lord took him down. And so uh, Proverbs 21, verse number 1, says, though, that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And this, this will get back, and we'll come back to that matter in a little bit as we look at our, our responsibility to pray. Um, but we see the counsel uh, of God back in our text. Let's, let's turn back to Romans 13. We, we see the, the counsel of God uh, in verses 2 through 4 with, with whose truths in mind we, we, we are left with the Lord's counsel for his people. With those truths that we just shared with you, the, we got uh, the Lord's counsel for his people. These, these are two basic ordinances God has in mind for us. Number one, obey governmental laws, verse 2 and 3. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Now, uh, since rulers rule by the consent of the Lord, if, if we rebel against the rulers of the land, then we really are rebelling against the Lord. And of course we need to remember that there, there's a difference between the laws that are acceptable and those that must be ignored. And let me repeat what, I, what I've already said. The clear principle in the Word of God is that we are to place God's Word first. What God says. God's Word is first in our list of priorities. When man's law contradicts God's Word, then God's Word must be followed regardless of the consequences. That's important regardless of the consequences. And there, there may be consequences, and most probably will be consequences. Uh, Paul tells us that rulers are not against those who do good, yet he was thrown in prison many times. Okay? Um, and we understand that the idea here is not that they will always respect our ways or our works, 
But uh, the, the spiritual end of our behavior is not what we are discussing here. The idea is that when we follow the law of the land, that we will be found to be in favor with our leaders. But is the law, the law of the land the law of God? That's the question we got to answer because if it's not the law of God, then we do the law of God, not the law of the land. All right? I want to make that very clear. When we break the laws of men, we will receive judgment. There's a price to pay for breaking man's law, and that we may be called to suffer some persecution. When you, when you decide you're going to obey God, I'm going to obey God, and whatever happens is going to happen. Well, you, you get put in jail, you maybe get convicted, maybe get sent away to prison. Paul, Paul felt this personally. He obeyed God's law, and he preached the gospel even when man's law executed him for his efforts. I mean, in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, he knows the end is near. He's fixing to stand before Nero, and Nero's going to have his way with him. Okay? Now, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Um, you know, he, he said, henceforth is laid up for me a, a crown of righteousness. And he, he goes on there. But notice that there is no condemnation. You will not find any condemnation of the state from Paul uh, for what he was about to suffer. He was willingly going to suffer on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ and give glory to God. Obey the governmental laws. Okay, Number two, found in verse number four, uh, and that's this, observe governmental leaders. Observe governmental leaders. Verse four, for he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Uh, the Bible makes it clear <clears throat> that the government, <clears throat> the government is the arm of the Lord to maintain order in society. And to walk in step with the laws of men is to enjoy peace. <laughs> to rebel is to feel the wrath of men. And, and God has hand, handed judgment to men, and we are under obligation to obey them as they rule our countries, even when we disagree with how they lead, uh, unless obeying would have us violate Scripture. All right? So um, it, it always gets back to the Scripture. What does the Scripture say we ought to be doing? And uh, we need to obey uh, what God says above what uh, the government says. The submissive aspect of our duty. And then last of all, the, the supportive aspect of our duty. We have a duty to render monetary support. And that, the verses we read there in verse 6 and 7 uh, talk about the matter of paying taxes to, to render monetary support. Um, now, there's not a person in this room that likes to pay taxes, Okay. I worked in the tax field. People were glad when I would, I could find a loophole of some sort to keep them how to pay taxes, and that's all well and good. Those loopholes are put there by the government. If you can find them and you can use them, that's a good thing to, that you can use it because we're not we're not supposed to pay more taxes than what we're what we're supposed to pay. Uh, we, none of us like to pay taxes. In truth, many of the taxes we pay are unnecessary. And some of them are really unethical. When you take, and there, there's some, with the taxes that are there to redistribute income, that's not right. It's just not. However, we are obligated to pay them nonetheless, 
Of course, most folks look for any way they can to get out of paying their taxes. I know. I've been in the field. (laughs) In fact, the IRS says that the gap between what people owe in taxes and what they actually pay is estimated to be over $540 billion per year now. That's a lot of money in it. And that's probably not high enough. $540 billion a year. Uh, But understand that the Lord would have us to pay the taxes that we owe to the government. We may not like it, but we honor the Lord by doing so. And then we have a duty to render, second of all, moral support. Uh, The latter part of verse number 7, fear to whom fears do, honor to whom honor is due. Okay, that's what we're talking about there. We're commanded to fear and honor those who have the rule over us, even if we cannot respect the person for their positions, uh, their beliefs, or their actions, we still owe them a debt of respect because of the position they occupy. Okay, uh, Remember, they would not be serving there unless they had been allowed to by God. And therefore, respect given to those in authority is, in effect, respect given to God. And that comes to uh, the last thing I want to deal with here real, real quick. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, and we'll let you go home, okay? <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter number 2, and that is our, uh, we have a duty to render prayer support. First uh, Timothy 2, verse number 1, Paul says, I exhort therefore uh, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men notice he put for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior so we're we're bound to pray for our leaders um, so as we look around the world right now, there's there's not there's, a, there's much to be concerned about. Amen. Uh, we can uh, also get discouraged by what we see, and yet we need to understand that the powers that be are there because they've been ordained by God. And I believe the powers, the leadership we got right now, has been given to to punish our country, and and they're doing a good job of it too, uh, because of. The, I believe the one of the big deals is because of all the babies that have been murdered so, uh, under Roe versus Wade. And uh, yet we need to understand that the powers that be are there because they've been ordained by God. Even the Babylonian Empire was raised up to punish Israel by carrying them out of the land into captivity for 70 years and God held the Babylonian Empire responsible for mistreating Israel. So therefore, we're to respect their position and obey their laws except those laws that violate God's laws. And let's pray. We need to pray. Amen. We need to pray for our leaders and pray to the Lord that he may give us grace and give us better leaders. We realize that if we have to violate the laws, we may get locked up. We may suffer. We don't like that word suffer, do we? We don't like the idea of having being put in jail for something that for taking a stand, but for in doing so, though we are actually performing a service of worship to the, the glory of God, 
and we demonstrate to the rest of the world how godly people are to live their lives. And when we do this, God is honored, Jesus Christ is exalted, and the saints prove the reality of their testimony to a lost and dying world. Amen? So, let's be good citizens. The citizens that God's called us to be. All right? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you.